0: Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Detoxicity, a podcast by and about men, but for everyone. My name is Mike Joseph. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at itsmikejoseph and on Twitter at Tis Mike joseph. Uh, whether this is your first time checking this podcast out or whether you're a regular listener, I am glad that you're here. I hope that you and yours are safe and healthy. Detoxicity is available on just about every podcast platform there is, in addition to, of course, the one that you're listening on. And I hope that however you listen, you take a minute to subscribe, rate, and or leave a comment. There is also a detox pod newsletter. You can find the link to sign up at tinyurlcom detoxpod. You can even drop me a line old school style at detoxpod at gmail.com. Feel free to make suggestions, provide constructive criticism, and don't hesitate to reach out if you yourself want to be on the podcast or you know someone who'd be a good fit. Devin Passariello is a New York-based music industry professional who came into the industry originally by way of being an actual musician. Devin and I talk about settling into a corporate lifestyle with the benefit of having a job that doesn't require a suit and tie. Uh, We also talk about how to navigate life when you are, and I quote, built like Flubber. If you don't know who Flubber is, Google it. On a more serious note, Devin and I talk about not judging a book by its cover and about being a progressive person who is brought up around and still communicates with and considers himself friends with people who don't necessarily share similar views, or his cop friends who may not understand why Devin agrees that police departments should be defunded. Come in for the real talk, stay for Devin's Tim Taylor theory and his delightfully salty reactions to people like Joe Rogan and others who question the masculinity of others for having the gall to keep themselves and others safe by wearing a mask. And I will say that the two of us are joined uh, for part of this podcast by Phil, who is my cat. Uh, He decided to be a little noisy. As I said in my intro episode, way back when I live in New York, I'm recording from my apartment. There is going to be ambient noise from time to time. So enjoy Phil enjoy Devin.
1: My name is Devin Passarella. I have been in the music business from both the uh, amateur and professional standpoint since 2007. Played in a couple bands, toward the country, actually toured the world, technically, since I went to Australia for Soundwave. <laughs> and then had to get my life together because music was not only not paying the bills, but it was costing me money. So I put on my big boy pants and got a big boy job in the biz, and here I am today.
0: A lot of people say that music does not pay the bills.
1: A lot of people are exactly right.
0: <laughs> so it's like, what do you have to do to get paid as a musician? I suppose if you knew, you'd still actually
1: be a musician. Oh, yeah. If I if I figured out how to crack that code, I wouldn't be working in an office. I'd be living in, you know, in a van or on a tour bus. Right?
0: <laughs> well, you not know? now, because no one's living on a tour bus. Right.
1: Yeah, but. actually, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise that that didn't work out because I would have been, totally screwed at this point you know right i feel really bad for these, these these people that they're making they're just about making a living playing music and if something like this happens they're absolutely screwed yeah and i just I, I don't know what i would have done if i was in that situation not everyone could be a rascal flats or a metallica where you pour for three months and have enough money to last you for the next 20 years. You know, a lot of these people are living paycheck to paycheck. If you could even call it paycheck. Right, it's not even like a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. I've thought about that a bunch over the past couple months. Like, what would I have done if things did work out the way that I'd hoped that they did and would now be in this situation?
0: Well, be glad, and I'm glad for you that you don't have to think about that at all.
1: Thank you. I appreciate
0: that. (laughs) So what was the transition to an office job like? What was, you know, being Devin, a touring musician, to being office worker?
1: It was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because my first office job was at Warner, working for Warner Brothers slash ADA. My first job in this business was working for Seymour Stein. Oh, wow. Yeah. You came in at the top floor. I dove... head first into the deep end with no no previous experience from a from a professional standpoint and so yeah i worked for him for about a year and then got a got a facebook message from a friend who worked where i work now not even knowing that i was desperately looking for another job and uh, he was like hey i don't know what your deal at sire is but uh, we just We had something open up and I looked at the uh, job posting and I had no experience at all. It was in digital operations. I didn't even know what the difference between an MP3 and a FLAC file was back then. But I applied anyway and I interviewed and I basically begged the hiring manager to hire me.
0: (laughs) Please uh, give me a job.
1: Yeah. And then the rest is history. But yeah, the transition was super easy because it wasn't like a typical office job. So I just kind of walked in and felt really comfortable the what sold me was I had actually previously interned for ADA before I actually started working for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that basically is what got me the job with Seymour because I had interviewed for that job. He saw that I was interning for a guy named Tyson Haller, who was their VP of promotions at the time. And Seymour loved Tyson and saw his name on my resume and called him up and was like, what, what do you think of this guy? And Tyson was like, oh yeah, he was great. And Seymour said, all right, you're hired. Like that was it. Wow. So When I interned for ADA, my hours were I'd probably start at like 11 and leave at like three or four or something like that. And there was one day where I knew I was going to have to leave a couple hours early. So I had worked it out where I was going to come in at nine and then leave at like one. And I got there at nine o'clock in the morning. And I was literally turning the lights on in the office because there wasn't a soul in the building. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, these are my people. Like they don't start (laughs) work until 10 or 10.30. That's the dream. So I was like, this is where I got to wind up. And then a year later, I actually wound up there. So the transition was super easy. It's, you know, laid back. Everyone's chill. Are, people are constantly just listening to music and hanging out, you know, doing their work, obviously, but it's a, it's a, a nice environment. So it's everything that I could have hoped for in a, quote, office job. I only call it an office job because it's in an, an actual office, but it's far from an office job. You're not, you're not wearing a suit. Right. That's the best part. I mean, showing up in, a, in shorts and a t-shirt and sneakers every day and being one of the best dressed people there is blessed.
0: blessing. <laughs> Did you ever like aspire to have like a shirt and tie kind of, were you like, I'm going to work in corporate America?
1: <laughs> every now and again, I'll watch like a TV show or a movie where like some finance douche is, you know, one of the characters. And I'm like, that would be so cool. Like that guy just looks so cool. But then like, I remember like the guy that I'm looking at is like, super fit, super young, has a great hairline, nice teeth. Like I don't look good in a suit. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really what what inspired me to never have to wind up in a suit and tie type job because I don't look good in a suit. I'm miserable when I wear one and it, it just would not work for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Did you wear a suit to your wedding? I wore a tuxedo to my wedding. You wore a
0: tuxedo to your wedding?
1: I am i am one of the very few idiots that actually bought a tuxedo for my wedding. Wait, you didn't rent? No, I bought it. I bought a custom tux, like custom fit everything. Okay. Something that, that the listeners won't know unless they look me up online is that my body just sucks. Like I have like the body, I'm basically built like flubber. So You
0: are I, not built like flubber. There's you. a
1: lot of work that goes into getting something like a tuxedo to look good on me so I had to go to a, a custom guy who made me this custom tux it was awesome I wore it at my wedding and then a month later I wound up we, my wife and I were invited to a black tie wedding so I was like all right I'm gonna wear it again best dressed person there by the way because it wasn't just like a black tux it was like a nice like sharp dark blue jacket that's the second time I wore the tux and that was it those are the only few times i wore that tuxedo
0: yeah because i'm like when how are you going to wear a tuxedo again
1: yeah i need i need to make more fancy friends that just like have parties where you have to wear a tux
0: you're not going to find them in the music business
1: Devin. right now that investment was a bad one i'm definitely (laughs) in the red i need to wear it at least like five or six more times if i'm going to get my money
0: yeah to get your money's worth yeah maybe i'll just
1: put it on tomorrow just like Summer Friday, check out at one o'clock, put on my tux and just like walk around my apartment for a couple hours.
0: I mean, I feel like you, knowing how much you perspire, I feel like that is a bad idea.
1: I thought I was never going to be able to wear that tux again after my wedding because it was drenched by the end of the night. Did you have like a summer wedding? No, we got married. Our anniversary is October 28th. It was like the the perfect weather. The problem is that when the wedding first started, for some reason, they accidentally had the heat cranked. It was like ninety degrees. Holy shit! And so I never recovered from that. It yeah, just, that's... once it once I started sweating, that was just the end of the line for me. It just that's, that's not
0: good. Ooh. Yeah. Oh boy. And it was a fun night. Sweat it Yes, I would imagine you. Uh, you know how to have a party, from what I understand.
1: I do, and you know <laughs> what? I didn't know until that night, but so does my wife. She's a party animal. That's keeps,
0: awesome.
1: She keeps it more under wraps than I do with me.
0: So I'm curious. I don't know much about like your childhood or upbringing. So where
1: where did you grow up? I grew up in Middle Village, which is in Queens. For anyone that's familiar with the layout of Queens, it's right in between Maspeth and Regal Park and Glendale. This is like, I'm probably speaking another language. I mean,
0: if people from New York are listening, (laughs) like I know Maspeth um, only because I tried to move in with somebody that was living in Maspeth and the landlord would not let me move in because I'm black.
1: That sounds like Maspeth and yep. Middle Village and Rego Park, which is why I, you know what? I When I was younger, I didn't notice this stuff. I was just like, it's, I, it's not that I didn't notice it. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't yo- notice it because I was just too young to notice it. And I guess by the time I was old enough to notice it, I wasn't really around all that much because that's when I started playing in bands and I started touring. And, like, I really like found my identity as a person and like where I lean politically and ideologically. So like, I wasn't really around enough to experience this type of behavior. And it wasn't until I left that I realized how, how much it exists. I think it was after, after the 2016 election, out of curiosity, I was just looking up different districts in Queens and how they voted and Middle Village was read across the board. And I couldn't believe it because like I just never experienced that when I was a kid. And I think it just took me stepping back and looking into it from the outside to realize how prevalent it was in all in all those neighborhoods. It's a shame because I'm probably going to wind up back there just because shitty people aside, the neighborhoods are great. It's like it's such a weird thing to navigate because. I think one of the reasons why I never really noticed it, aside from like being too young or or not being around a lot, is that a lot of the people that live in these neighborhoods are they're good people. Like my neighbors were like always great to each other, like everyone was out for each other. They didn't they, they weren't vocally racist or homophobic or anything like that. But I also wasn't having these types of conversations with them. So they easily could have felt that way and I didn't know. But it's so hard to like look at a person that you've known for a long time and realize that a lot of the things they think are really shitty, but they're like really, aside from that, like good people. Like they've always been like great to me. And it's, it, it, it sucks to actually have that realization, you know? it's Right, like well, if,
0: they're, they're great to you because they, you are one of them or they consider you one of them. Right. Whereas if you were perhaps a different color or you were dating someone of a different color, Right. or dating someone of the same gender or that was transgender or whatever it is a million and one different things mm-hmm. you know their opinions might come out a little bit differently
1: yeah probably but you know i never was in that type of situation so i never saw it moving moving out of middle village and a lot of people getting facebook is really what made it made me realize what's going on like i wasn't <laughs> I wasn't so so surrounded by it anymore that I was able to like see it better. But also, when they're broadcasting their opinions for everyone to see on Facebook, that's when it's like, okay, we have a real problem. We like a a real problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's that like to have like you know, Mrs. Whoever who grew up next door or down the block all of a sudden be like, like a Blue Lives Matter person or like a.
1: It it really sucks, and and what what really bothers me about like blue lives matter in particular is that it's 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 just it's 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 a code word at this point like if blue lives matter was truly 100% about supporting police meaning you don't want your cop friends or your cop family to to be killed while they're working i can 100% get be- behind blue lives matter if that's what it meant but it's no longer support for police when there's a Blue Lives Matter rally, and people are waving Trump flags and Confederate flags. Right. It's not about Blue Lives anymore. You're using that to cover up, and, and this isn't across the board. I don't want to say every single person waving a Blue Lives Matter flag fits into this category, but when you don't turn around to the guy waving a Confederate flag behind you and say, get the fuck out of here, this is not what this is about, then you become part of the problem because Correct. you're Right. And it's, it's, it's tough for me because I have, I have friends that are cops. I have, you know, people that I grew up with that I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't say that I'm friends with anymore, but certainly friendly or acquaintances with that are cops. A lot of people that, that from, at least like from my neighborhood that I grew up in, a lot of them turned out to be, to be cops. And it, 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 it's hard for, for me because I know that they specifically are what you would refer to as the, the good cops. I hate that term because you would, you would you would think all cops are good cops, right? Oh, that, I mean, that's what yes. you grow up thinking. Like every yes. kid wants to be a cop when they're a little kid. I want to grow up. I want to be a cop. I want to fight bad guys. That's great, and that's how it should be. But unfortunately, there's been so much that has gone wrong that it's it's hard to just make that assumption. It's 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 easy for people to just make a blanket statement when it comes to the police as a whole, which I've never been about blanket statements. That's one of the biggest problems that I have when it comes to like racism and homophobia. It, blanket statements are a huge problem you should never be making them period but I I I get why it's easy at least from an anti-police standpoint to be making that type of, uh, uh, of a blanket statement but I just I wrestle with this so much because I have like one of my best friends is a cop and I know that he's not going out looking to just you know arrest black guys and cause trouble like he just he's a good guy he wants to protect people and you know that's that but he you know he gets lumped in with you know, law enforcement as a whole—it's a hard, a hard conversation to to have. I mean, I've had plenty of conversations with about this, and most most times it turns into like some sort of a blowout, and then we calm down, and then we you know talk to each other, and and that's it. But it—I it, don't want to make this about me because I'm certainly not a victim here. But just as someone who has people that they love and care about that are in law enforcement, but also believes that there has to be reform and there have to be changes from top to bottom. And I do believe in the idea of defunding the police. I'm just like kind of stuck in the middle. I'm getting pulled both ways, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I'm, where I'm going from. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I,
0: I objectively get what you're saying and you know, look, I've, I've never been friend. Well, that's a lie. I mean, I, when I worked, I used to manage a record store when I was younger and our security was almost always off-duty cops. So there were cops that I became friends with and still a few of those people are acquaintances of mine now. And all cops are not bad people, but they work, like it's it's like being complicit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you work for, uh, an organization that sort of, not sort of, that willfully, like, cosigns mistreatment of people, and you don't speak out against it. And I think when you don't speak out against it, that's sort of when you fall into the whole, okay, now you're part of the problem situation.
1: Right. And that's where the idea of all cops are bad comes from. Like, ACAB does not mean all cops are bad morally, individually, Right. it's referring to the idea that you work for a system that is not, it's not working the way it's supposed to. And if you are part of that system, whether you're the best cop in the world or not, it's still a problem because you're part of that system. And I, I understand how it's very easy for someone who is either a cop or or pro-police pro to immediately take offense to that and get defensive when they hear all cops are bad, because at a glance, it sounds like a very aggressive accusatory statement, but there is a bigger meaning to it. The same way that people hear defund the police, and then you know Donald Trump is releasing a campaign ad where it's a mock 911 call, and you're, you know, you get the, op- have you heard this, where like the operators, there's no more police, you're, Your wait time is going to be four to five days. If this is for a murder, please hang up and dial this. That's not what defunding the police is. Right, not at all. it's, it's, It's a complicated idea, but it's also very simple at the same time. And it doesn't mean fire every cop and let everyone take care of themselves. It's not at all what Right, it
0: it's means. not the wild, it's, we're not trying to make
1: it the wild west. Right, and I, that's where a lot of this animosity comes from, and a lot of this, there's a lot of conflict, I guess, if you want to call it conflict. Sure. A lot of the animosity and a lot of the conflict is from people not understanding what other people are saying. And it's because people aren't listening to each other. They have to start listening, on both sides, you know? Yeah. I hate to use the term. Donald Trump really ruined the term on both sides. I I feel like a, a piece of shit whenever I say it, but it's true. On both sides of the argument, people need to be listening to each other and not just hear some sort of, like, catchphrase and immediately assume that it's bad. Why would anyone on this planet not want there to be any sort of police? I am not prepared to take down a bank robber or to stop a rapist or to stop a mass murder. I'm not prepared for that. I did not become a cop because I know I cannot handle that. There's a very specific type of person that is designed to do that type of job, and I commend them, and I think they should do it. But I also don't think that New York City should be devoting $9 billion to the NYPD when there are communities that can barely stay afloat. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. Or it's to a funding up in the NYPD. If you take 10 percent of a $9 billion budget, you've got enough money to invest in every at-risk community in the city. Every single one.
0: You've got money to put in schools. You've got money to put in every, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Right. So, you, you are correct. I think that it's a discussion that, you know, unfortunately, nuance is something that doesn't get paid its proper due Mm-hmm. And people will dig in their heels and kind of stick to the extreme end of a point. And if people do that, then there's there's really no movement on either side. Mm-hmm. And it just ends up being like sort of a circular argument and animosity builds and, and you know, it just turns into this is a huge thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, communication is an issue in general. I mean, certainly not just in regards to that, you know, that particular issue, but somewhere along the line, people just lost the ability to communicate and to listen and have, could have conversations where there is as much listening as there is speaking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the... know what the way back is for that
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, so I wish I had an answer for that
0: question (laughs) I mean what happens I mean for you personally Devin like what happened I'm assuming that you're gonna want to have a kid someday Mm -hmm. and what you know I, I, I I'm curious with anyone who decides that they're gonna have a child like given the state of the world right now like what how do you think you're gonna like raise a kid? Like that just feels like such a fucking thankless, difficult task.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much all my friends have kids at this point and you know, they all do a a great job with their kids all. I love, you know, I, I consider them like my nieces and nephews. I love all my friends' kids, like they're my family. I think they're all great kids. I think they're all doing a great job, but I also don't know what kind of conversations they're having with their kids, and it's not my place to to ask. Like I I have no interest in knowing. However, they want to raise their children is totally fine. But I don't know that, that that's something that I've thought about from time to time. But I try not to think about too much because then I don't want it to convince me to not want to have kids anymore. To be perfectly honest, I mean,
0: it's like, you know, at
1: what, at what age do you sit a child down and say, "All right"? Everything you're, you're you're learning in school about the history of America is not necessarily 100% factual, or it's been altered a little bit. And I'm also not a, a historian, you know. So like, I feel like I've done enough research, and I've I've read enough, and I've I've spoken to enough people where I have a I understand that the education that I was given as a child is not 100% accurate. Christopher Columbus was not a great guy, you know. Right. But, like, right. when I was a kid, Columbus Day was the best, even though we don't do anything. It's not like a family holiday, like Thanksgiving, where you sit down and have a meal and all family. It's just a holiday about this guy who discovered America who didn't even actually discover America. America, exactly. Fun fact, Amerigo Vespucci discovered America. and <laughs> the name America. But we celebrate <laughs> Christopher Columbus because he basically, he didn't discover America, he took America. And, like, how do you explain that to a child and then send them to school Where everyone else in their class thinks that christopher columbus was this great guy who discovered america and his best friends were indians and everyone was happy and loved each other and he definitely wasn't raping and killing and spreading disease i don't know how or when to have those conversations but i do know that it is my obligation as someone who feels the way i feel about a plethora of issues that they're conversations i have to have and i don't know whether it's something that has to be preemptive whether you need to talk to them before they get a bad idea put in their head, or if, you, or if you're, you, you be reactive about it and wait until you hear them make a comment that's disturbing and you correct them. Like I don't wanna, I, you, you wanna raise your kids right and you wanna teach them you know, how to be good people, but at the same time, I don't want, I would love for my children to wind up believing the things that I believe, but I also don't wanna force that on them but there's also a line that has to be drawn. Like, yeah, if you don't, if you disagree and you do think pineapple belongs on pizza, that's fine. That's your opinion. But you're sure. not allowed to think that, <laughs> that two men can't be married or that, you know, a a, a black person deserves less rights than a white. There are, there are certain things that that's a hard stop. Right. is not, you, it's not up for discussion. You're not allowed to think this because this is, this is not a matter of opinion it's a matter of right and wrong.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't have an answer to that either but I also don't have kids. Right. So I, I, I thankfully will never have to have that conversation with anyone unless I happen to be in a relationship or be married to someone that has young children. Mm-hmm. So I you know, I I get to I get to ask the question without having to ever answer it.
1: Right. Um well. I also wish I knew how to answer the question, but I too don't have any children. Hopefully soon, but I guess, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Maybe we could do a where are they now episode. In the <laughs> my kid's old enough to understand what's going on and I'll them on how I raised them.
0: Is that like, I'm curious because I don't have the desire to have children. Is that like a, is it like a biological thing or is it just like, okay, my friends have kids, so I should have a kid too.
1: I've wanted to be a dad since I was old enough to, 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 I don't know. To, I've, I've wanted to be a dad since I was a kid. The really? Th- I, I know, I could say confidently, the first thing I ever wanted as a a person was to one day be a dad. That's all I ever wanted. Though. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just don't... I, I believe you, obviously, but it's just such a foreign concept. Not a foreign concept. It's just something that I don't... Like that urge mm-hmm. isn't there.
1: I mean, it's not for everybody. Not right. everybody wants to be a parent. Then that's totally fine.
0: Right.
1: You know, that's, that's another thing we have to stop doing. Like shaming people into thinking that you're born to have kids. Like that's, right. that's not the case. It's, it, everyone is going to do what it is that they want to do. And if one of those things you want to do is not have children, that's totally fine. There's plenty of other people to go around. We're not going to run out of, out of people. It's not like the human race is going to cease to exist because everyone's being born and deciding they don't want to have kids. For every <laughs> one person that doesn't want to have kids, there's 100,000 that does. So we're going to be fine. Right. But it's just, it's entirely up to the person. And if you don't have that urge, that's fine. You could come watch mine. If you, if, you, if you don't want to have kids, but you want to be around them, you could be my babysitter.
0: You know, we'll cross that bridge
1: when we okay. get to it. <laughs> You're like, no kids whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> I, look... Yeah, I, for me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to hear it.
0: Like kids are all right. You know, my best friend has two kids. I love them dearly. But for me, and also like as backstory, I, I grew up, my grandparents ran a, di- my grandmother ran a daycare center. So I spent up until I was 17 years old, my life around like a shit ton of kids.
1: That sounds miserable. It that was pretty, pretty it, it
0: was miserable. So I feel like I've changed enough diapers and warmed enough bottles and gotten thrown up on enough times to justify not having to be a dad to any kids ever again. Like, you know, if the kid can have a conversation with me and, you know, they want to play Legos or something like that, that's cool for a couple hours. And then I go about my business. But the whole like 24-7 parenting thing is, you know, yeah, I'm too selfish for that.
1: I could do with that. I think I, I, it showed up in my time hop not too long ago. I had tweeted a bunch of years ago, like, I love babies, but like, why is it that sound that evolution shows? Like, why when a baby is upset or hungry or tired or whatever, like, why can't they chirp like birds? That would be so pleasant. That would be very now, pleasant. If, like if three o'clock in the morning and the baby is chirping like a bird because it's hungry. I would love to wake up to that. But I've heard enough newborn babies cry. But would you, at In that Devin? moment, I reevaluate everything that I've thought to be true for the past 20 years. Do I really want this for myself? Because yeah. I can walk away from this. That's not my problem. Right. I'm not crying, baby. I'm just going to go in the other room. I'm going to shotgun it truly, and I'm going to forget about it. I can't do that one as much.
0: Babies made a cooing sound like a bird. You wouldn't get up. I don't, I mean...
1: I mean, I think I would get up because I know that it needs something. I think I'd be, I'd be a lot more eager to actually give the baby what it wants if it was, coo- if it was cooing or, or chirping like a bird, rather than I can only imagine greeting this child in the middle of the night that's, that's, that's screaming bloody murder with resentment. Like, I'm probably going to be like, <laughs> this, is, this is an awful sound and you need All to right. stop. I'm it is, it is I'm an awful thing. sound. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to stop. Ooh, another
0: thing I'm glad I don't have to worry about. <laughs> so, here's a question. Like, you know, I've known you for a couple of years. Like, you, you're you you're, a bit broish.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, ish Oh, I get... Yeah, I... Absolutely.
0: And, you know, this is a podcast about masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like out of everyone I've had on the show so far, you are, like, the most stereotypically masculine. Yeah. Like... A, like where did that come from and like are you kind of cool with that and, and, you know, are there parts of that that you would like to not be cool with? Like, how does that all
1: work out? I mean, if you're referring to just a, like a look standpoint, like when you say like I, like what you were just describing, does that include my personality and the way that I talk to people or you just like look at me from afar and you say, that dude drives a truck with a confederate flag on the back.
0: I mean, no, it's not even, it's not even about that. Like you, you don't look problematic per se, okay. you just look like a bro.
1: Like yeah, you look w- like
0: a dude w- that chugs beers and fucking, <laughs> you know, and, and goes to strip clubs
1: and I don't know. Like a t- when I was, when I had first started playing in bands, I did not look like this. I started getting tattoos when I started playing in, in bands. And the, the vision that I had for myself as a tattooed person is not what it turned out to be. Like, I don't want to say I was going out of my way to look like a, a like a, a skinny scene kid, mainly because I'm far from skinny. And I guess maybe I didn't take that into consideration when I got these tattoos. And I, I mean, these- were you skinny
0: at the point that you got the tattoos?
1: No, no. Oh. I was never, I would never consider myself at any point in my life skinny. Oh, okay. so, I was just always a big guy, and I didn't realize when I was getting these tattoos that I was going to look more like, you know, some big guy that you'd see throwing down in the pit at a hate breed show, like <laughs> you know, going to an, an all-time low show or a newfound glory show or something. So I started getting these tattoos, but then I also started wearing like skinny jeans with vans, and I was I was straightening my hair. You know, I had like the 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 Pete Wentz... Wins- Swoosh, and but I was still like a big guy, so like I, I definitely did not. I I hate referring to myself as masculine looking, but I, for argument's sake, I will because I guess that's the, the best. I mean, way.
0: you've got your you got a thick beard, top, beard and right, you like, got a ton of tattoos,
1: tattoos the size, the haircut, like the yeah. way I carry myself. Yeah. I get it. It wasn't always that way. It's and like then, okay, and hey, don't be offended by this, Devin. I'm not gonna be.
0: It's like if Kevin James had a bunch of tattoos,
1: it would be you. <laughs> I love that you referenced Kevin James because for, for my wife and I's engagement party, somebody blew up a King of Queens poster and superimposed my face on Doug <laughs> on Doug's body and her face on Carrie's body. And like, I've, that's been like my theme. Like I, was at, I actually resent my wife for not letting us use the King of Queens theme song as either our intro for the wedding or our first dance.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to hold that <laughs> over her head for the rest of my rest life. rest of your
1: lives. Big King <laughs> of Queens guy, so I appreciate that.
0: Right on. Um,
1: but, yeah, it, it wasn't, it didn't always look like this. The beard you could actually thank my wife for because not long after we met, like, actually when I got back from Australia, I just hadn't shaved. Like, I always had a beard, but it was, like, close. Like, I would, like, buzz it, like, close to my face. It, it, it wasn't hair that you could, like, pull. Okay. And then I went to Australia, and I had forgotten to trim my beard before I went. And I was there for like two or three weeks. So I hadn't trimmed it the whole time. And then by the time I got back, it was starting to get a little bushy. And I was like, you know what? Let me just see where this goes. And then I just stopped doing what I normally do. And now I have this, you know, beard that I have today. So it, it wasn't something that I went out of my way to do from a uh, a cosmetic standpoint, like the whole getup. It just kind of happened organically. And I don't really hate it. So I'm just like, I'm working with it, but it also allows me to fly under the radar as an ally to a lot of different people. Because you don't, know, I can't tell you how many times like someone, like some drunk guy at a bar has like tried to start a conversation with me that he thought I was gonna be all about. And then I was like, all right, time for you to shut the fuck up and get out of my face. Cause it's <laughs> not, I'm not who you think I am. So go have the conversation with that guy over there. I'm not, I'm not having any of this. So I don't know. It's kind of like I'm i am undercover, you know,
0: I'm what are fighting, you doing?
1: like But looking like looking like I'm fighting the bad fight.
0: Right. Yeah. You you just have like that. You have like the Long Island Italian bro
1: look. I get that, even though I'm not from Long Island.
0: Well, close enough. I get. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of like like how do you like do you would you consider yourself a particularly masculine person? Like,
1: I mean that that depends on what your definition of masculinity is because I think an issue that I have with a lot of people is what their definition of masculinity is, and it's definitely different than mine. You know, if you, I mean, it, but also like if you ask ten different guys, you're going to get ten different answers. Sure. I really don't care what kind of masculine, manly man you are, as long as it's just not. I, I don't want to use. I don't want to use like catchphrases and and you know hot button words, but like just don't be a toxic male. That's that's all. That that's I mean, the, the name important. of
0: this show is detoxicity, Devin. Right. So it's,
1: it's all good. So like, you could, just because you like to, you know, watch sports and drink beer and eat meat and burp and fart and tell dick jokes, it doesn't mean you have to be a piece of shit. Just be a good guy. Like the most masculine thing you could do. I think anyone, any guy will agree that the peak masculinity is do what's best for your family, take care of your family. That doesn't necessarily mean provide like financially like you could provide for your family without being the breadwinner like I'll be I have no problem admitting my wife makes a lot more money than me she started working right out of college she did not fuck around she got a degree she got a job she worked her ass off she makes a lot more money than me who didn't get their first real job till he was like 27 years old you know so she's got a six-year head start on me it only makes sense she's the breadwinner in this house And if she told me when we had kids, if it came down to not being able to afford childcare and one of us had to stay home and raise the child, it would just make no sense for her to do that, considering I make so much less than she does. So I would be a stay-at-home dad. And if you ask any guy on the wrong side of masculinity about being a stay-at-home dad, they would laugh in your face, because that's the woman's job. I have no problem being a stay-at-home dad. I have no problem with anyone that is a stay-at-home dad because what I'm doing is I'm taking care of and providing for my family by keeping us afloat financially. Why am I going to pay $50,000 a year for childcare when we can get it for free and, you know, take a slight hit on, on, you know, what our combined income is, but we can't afford it if we're both, if we're both working, you know? Right. so Yeah. It really comes down to, you know, the definition of masculinity, but At the end of the day, just be a good guy, you know? Like treating women with respect should not be considered a bitch move. Wearing a mask should not be considered a bitch move. You know, Joe Rogan, who's supposed to be the alpha male not too long ago, said wearing a mask is a bitch move. Okay, so I'm not a bitch. I don't wear a mask, but I'm gonna fucking die from a disease because I'm not wearing the mask. What's more important? Looking like a bitch or dying from a disease? But there's also like I feel so cool when I put my mask on. Like, I look like Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. It's like this, it's like this dark blue. It's got a point. It's got a little vent on the side. I, it, I look bad as hell when I wear this mask. If anyone looks at me and says, that guy's a bitch for wearing that mask, they're an idiot. I'm definitely, I definitely do not look or feel like a bitch when I put my mask on.
0: Who, I wonder who appointed Joe Rogan, like, king of the dudes?
1: I mean... I get it. Like, if you just, like, listen to five minutes of his podcast where he's being neutral and you look at him, like, I get it, you know? I would never fuck with Joe Rogan. He would just roundhouse kick me in the head and put me out of my misery swiftly. I get why people view him as the alpha male, but when you have a platform as big as his, you can't be saying shit like wearing a mask is a bitch move because you're going to kill people. You're going to kill people, absolutely. Kill people. And, like, he likes to be that guy where he's just middle of the road all the time. Like he's had Bernie Sanders on his show and he's had Alex Jones on his show. At what point, at one point you need to take- Aside. At least some sort of aside. You don't have to lean hard right or hard left, but you can't have someone like Alex Jones on your show. You just can't. Like when you're the biggest podcast in the world, You can't give someone like that a platform. It's bad enough he's got his own platform. Now you're giving him a signal boost. And the problem is a lot of guys, I know I said I don't like blanket statements before. But (laughs) But but you're going to make one. A lot lot of guys, I'm going to say guys. I know some girls that that listen to Joe Rogan, but a lot of these guys that listen to that podcast, they treat what he says as gospel, period. It's just like no free thinking. Like Joe Rogan said it, so I got to go out and I got to buy these in these sneakers with the individual toes so I can get a better run-in, you know, when I go for my morning work, because Joe Rogan said it. When you have people that hang on your every word, you have to be responsible with your words. It's just that simple. So to be saying something like that, especially as it applies to the conversation of masculinity, to say it's a bitch move is so stupid. Actually, before, when, when I was on my way home, I saw a guy walking into Martha's Country Bakery, which sounds like the bitchiest you know <laughs> shop you've ever heard. Right, Martha's Country Bakery, this guy- hey, That sounds the, like a delicious place. It's the best. You have to go to Martha's. They got a bunch of locations. I'll hit you up after, I'll give you <laughs> one. This guy was an absolute juggernaut of a man. He was just gigantic. He had this bald head with the veins bulging out. He had tattoos all over his body. He was, I don't know, his shirt probably had flames on it. I didn't get back to look at what he was wearing he was wearing a mask. <laughs> and my wife turns to me, and she's like, if someone like that can wear a mask, I don't understand how, like, not every guy is okay with that. Like, that I'm, dude clearly... I'm pretty
0: sure Vin Diesel it. and Dwayne Johnson are out in, in, in the streets yeah. wearing masks.
1: hmm Yeah, wearing a mask is a bitch move. Give me
0: a... Uh, yeah, that's fucking stupid. It's stupid, and it's irresponsible.
1: It's very irresponsible. If it was just me saying it, or you saying it, or some schmuck on the street saying it, that's one thing. But when you've right. got millions millions, tens of millions of people listening to, to everything you say that's super irresponsible Yeesh. yikes
0: yeah i mean I've, I've certainly heard a lot about joe rogan's podcast uh but i have yet to take the time
1: to listen to it he should he does a lot of a lot of his subject matter is health focused okay which also i'm glad i, I said that because it, it it was a point that i wanted to make
0: Oh, what's your point?
1: It's about Joe Rogan and his wearing a mask is a bit more common. A lot of his subject matter is health-based. He's like a huge fitness guy, and they do, like, fitness challenges and stuff like that. Health and fitness is all based on science. So you can't pick and choose the science that you like. If you believe in science, you believe in all science, and that's it. Right. So for you to say, I'm going on the nothing but meat and eggs diet for a month because science has proven that it'll get me, you know, bulkier and cutter at the same time, and then say, wearing a mask is a bitch move, even though science has proven that if everyone would just nut up and wear a mask for four weeks, we'll be out of the woods. That's it's 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 borderline stupidity. You can't just believe in one science because you want to get I, back. I wouldn't even say borderline, you don't want to wear a mask. And it's not even Well, like I say kidding. borderline because I don't want him to hear this and then you know fuck you down. up. Roundhouse kick me in the temple.
0: It's my show. He'll probably come and fuck me or try <laughs> to fuck me up. You know. I forgot what I was gonna ask you. I'm sorry. It's all right. It happens pretty often. Uh I I'd seen it's called senioritis.
1: Yeah. I uh,
0: that. yeah. So okay. I, I do want you to explain because we're talking about so many characters and we've bro- we already talked about King of Queens. I want you to bring up your tool time theory because mm. when we talked about doing the show that you blew my my fucking head off yeah. with this theory. And yeah. I definitely want to, want to give you the floor to discuss it.
1: And I want to preface this by saying this all came from my head. I all did not room. anywhere. This was not, this was not like influenced by anyone or anything. I just watched enough Home Improvement to realize that, and I never thought I would say this, but the world needs more Tim the (laughs) Toolman Taylors. And I'm I'm glad that I was... One of the best things about me finally moving over from Spectrum to Fios is the Up channel that's available. Up TV on Fios. What is Up TV? Up TV, it's just a channel. They basically just play like reruns of old sitcoms from the 90s and the early 2000s. Home Improvement is always on. And last night couldn't have been the more perfect episode to be watching as a refresher, knowing that we were going to be having this conversation because the episode was about his boss, John Binford, who dies and he just like doesn't feel anything because... It's not manly to cry. Men don't cry. They just don't do it, which is absurd. Yes, right? as we know, yes. So the home, the Tim Taylor theory, the home improvement theory is this, right? When I was a kid, I watched home improvement and I understood it a certain way. And then I got older and I started watching home improvement again because it's my favorite show. And <laughs> I started to pick up on things that whether it was done intentionally or not, and I want to say It was not done intentionally, because I don't think Tim Allen the man would subscribe to these ideas, unless it was either done by accident or the network forced it on him. Like this is the type of guy that Tim the Tim Tim, the Two Man Taylor is going to be, or you don't or you don't get a show. Don't get the show. Or maybe the maybe the
0: network was just like trolling him.
1: They might have been because Tim Allen is a known Republican, which is. I try not to let that affect my relationship with the tool man, because I love him so much. He's but... a
0: fictional character on a show. Well, Tim Allen, the, the,
1: the man. Is yes,
0: Tim Allen, the man, is a Republican. And, he's also uh,
1: a convicted drug trafficker. Right, right. Big, big cocaine guy. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I only, I don't know that he's a Republican because of things I've seen him or heard him say or do. It's just common knowledge that, you know, he, he leans that way politically, yes. but he's not like vocal about it. I have never heard him say anything problematic, no more problematic than Tim, the Toolman Taylor. Right. So the home improvement theory is this, right? Tim, Tim, Tim Taylor is your typical toxic male, right? He's all about tools and cars and women belong in the kitchen and the men do, you know, the, the, they, they, they do all the, the, the repairs and they're the breadwinners and the women raise the children and blah, blah, blah. And he always gets himself into all these messes, usually as a result of his toxic masculinity. It's either he he hurts somebody well, physically, it's usually himself that he's hurting. That's why yes. it's so funny. Love topical humor. But you know, it'll be something that affected someone emotionally because you know he's a shithead. Or like the episode last night, where like the lesson is that men can cry. He gets himself into these messes. And by the end of the episode, I'm jumping around. By the end of the episode, the problem is resolved, right? But that is a direct result of the three people on the show that he interacts with the most. You got his wife, Jill, who's a strong, independent woman. She went back to school, got a degree in psychology, PhD, I think. Now she's a a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever. Uh, Wilson, his next door neighbor, who is just a world's man who knows everything about everything. And Al Borland, his assistant on Tool Time, who is what he would deem a girly man, right? He's just a guy who's in touch with his emotions, and he treats women with respect, and he's, you know, he is what a toxic male would refer to as a bitch. Right. And these are the three people that he interacts with the most. And by the end of the episode, he realizes that he messed up, either from, you know, interacting with one or a few of these main characters, and he makes it right. He fixes the issue. And he, and he, I, I assume, tries to learn from it, right? Every episode is him doing, he never makes the same mistake twice, I guess is my point. It's always so he, something new.
0: Theoretically, he does learn from his uh, mistakes. So
1: that's what we need, you know? If you're gonna be a shitty guy, because that's all you've known, but you're willing to listen when someone says, what you did was shitty, this is why, and then actually fix it and learn from it, that's how you eliminate the whole idea of toxic masculinity. Instead of shitty men raising shitty boys who become shitty men and then raise shitty boys and so on and so forth, we could stop this cycle of shitty men by just listening, learning from it, and then raising our boys better than we might have been raised. Very simple, so like I said, the world needs more Tim Toolman <laughs> guys that are willing to listen and learn and and absorb and and take that and and move forward with the you know everything that you've you've learned. So and, and, when oh, go ahead. No, that's it. Right.
0: So when you have a kid, if that kid happens to be a boy, what are you going to tell him? Like, sort of to. What's something that you would tell your kid that you did not know as a kid, or maybe found out later than you should have?
1: You know, I didn't, I didn't prepare for tough questions. My. <laughs> well, guess what? Know. you know, you know, I didn't really get a lot of. All right, let me rephrase that. I didn't really get any life lessons from my from my dad. Like he wasn't he wasn't like an absentee father, and you know, he didn't like abuse me or anything like that. He was always around, but like, he just never. He never went out of his way to teach me things you know like i like by time i was old enough to like drive and stuff like that i actually got to a point where i was like afraid to call him if i got a flat tire because he was just gonna like yell at me for getting a flat tire instead of like showing up and teaching me how to change the tire sure so i guess it's really just about anyone can be a can be a a dad, but not everyone can be a father. I guess if that if that makes any sense, or anyone makes can be a father, Not everyone can be a father. You know, like right. it's it's about you have to teach not you know sons, daughter, your kids, but like you know if we're just talking about like boys specifically, like there are things that you need to go out of your way to be teaching them instead of just like doing for them or like getting mad at them because something happens, especially when it's something insignificant. You know, like got into a car accident. The first question should always be, Are you okay? Are you right? okay? Yeah. Not like not showing up to the accident, like screaming because you're so irresponsible and stupid. Even if it was, even if it was because of a stupid, irresponsible thing, the first concern is always, are you okay? And when that's the initial reaction, when that's the the, the initial uh, there's that senior moment again. <laughs> it's
0: all right. Huh. We're going when through it together, Devin.
1: When that's the initial interaction, right? When you're being met with hostility instead of, instead of compassion, that's stuff that, that young, young boys and men just like hold on to. And then that's going to be how they wind up raising their kids. And I don't want, I don't want my son to ever be afraid to call me because of something stupid. Like he hit a pothole and busted his tire or because he crashed into a pole or because like he comes home and, you know, like he dropped his cell phone down the sewer or something like
0: that. (laughs) Like
1: like these are like, they're not, they're, they're not, Things that actually matter, you know, like your father's supposed to be there to show you the fault in your ways and teach you how to not make that mistake again, right? And and I guess I, I guess the answer to your question would just be to like to do the things for my kids that my father didn't necessarily do for me. And I'm not I'm not here to to
0: bash. To, I'm not, I'm yeah. not
1: bashing him. Mean, I'm not bad mouthing him. Like I wouldn't say he was a bad father, but there was certainly a lot of things that. I would've changed if I could. So he almost taught me, this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to say it anyway. He, 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 the one thing he taught me was what not to do. So my life's purpose has always been to have a son so I could do a lot of the things he did opposite and see how that turns out. You know, I mean, Clearly, he did something right because I came out. You came out uh, okay. I'm fucking awesome, right? I turned out like real great. You know, I'm a good guy. I treat people with respect. I care about people other than myself. You know, I'm a good guy. I don't know where I got it from. To be perfectly honest, sometimes I want to give him credit for it because he's my father and obviously my mother too. But like, I guess I got it from my mother. That that that's the only explanation. Sometimes shit just falls out of the
0: sky too. Yeah, that's a pretty good. I mean, that's that's a good thought process to to, you know take everything that you didn't get that you realize you didn't get and make sure you pass it forward right Um, like I
1: certainly never had those full house moments where you know Danny Tanner sits down with his kids and like teaches them the lesson there was no corny music playing in the background ever when I was growing up
0: See, I used to think I used to think all white people had those moments.
1: <laughs> I could see why you would think that because that's that's all you that's all you see on television. right. That's
0: all you see on TV. until like Roseanne came out and it was like, okay, well there are some white people who don't give a shit about their oh, children. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that that's not something that happens a lot in real life. And whenever I do see it in real life with parents of my friends, I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. So that really does happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that it does happen in real yeah. life, but I certainly never experienced
0: it. I oh, know, it wasn't my experience either. Don't you do a podcast?
1: I do. It's, it's been on hiatus for a little while. We haven't done any since, I think, like the second week of the quarantine.
0: Yeah. okay why is that just kind of like not feeling it or
1: yeah well one one of the guys uh it was this like the pandemic couldn't have happened at a worse time because he was in the process of leaving his job that they had offered him severance pay a severance package and he was gonna like it was basically gonna be the summer of george for him where he was just gonna like travel the country like he had enough money to like live for a couple of years and then the pandemic happened and now he's just like stuck at home all day and so he really wanted to focus on like finding finding work so He's been, you know, focusing on that. I'm not ruling out never bringing it back, but I don't know. I think maybe it might have, it might have run its course. I mean, I'm still like – the two guys that I do it with are two of my closest friends, and they're still two of my closest friends. So it's not like we had like, a big falling out. We're not doing it anymore because of that. Because so. you like you're, like, uh, you're
0: opinionated and you're articulate, and you, you, you feel like a natural candidate. To do yeah, something I, like this, I
1: feel like I've been going crazy without that sort of a, a medium to to vent. Like, I, I think my wife is ready to jump out the window because I'm basically using her as my microphone and just spewing all the shit to her instead of like yelling it into a into a podcast. I think she's sick of hearing me talk. So, so are you saying that I saved your marriage, Devin? Yeah, you might have. I think you might have just hit the reset button. Like, we're back to we're back to <laughs> February now. Hell Here's yeah. The- like we have yeah. like we haven't even made it to lockdown yet. We, <laughs> and, and I need, I also need to mention that I don't know if I made it clear in my intro of myself, but I'm not an expert in any of this. No, <laughs> you know? I mean
0: I'm not an expert in anything, so I, I don't expect anyone to be. It's just people people talking, people having opinions about shit.
1: So like just from one person who, you know, has their own definition of masculinity. Sure. I feel like a lot of a lot of the a lot of people who are on the opposite side of that definition of masculinity base their, their opinion on how manly or masculine you are on, I hate to call it your politics, but your politics, you know, like how you feel about, you know, so- socioeconomic issues and political issues and, you know, civil rights issues. And like apparently I'm a bitch and I'm less of a man because I have no interest in owning a gun. Right. Maybe one day, you know, maybe when I have a house, if I feel it's necessary to just have, you know, a handgun that I keep in a lockbox in my bedroom for when my family is sleeping in case someone breaks in. I don't know if it's ever going to come to that, especially if we wind up in, you know, one of the neighborhoods we've been looking in. It's not the type of neighborhood where you need something. Right. So but I just I don't I don't find enjoyment out of shooting guns. I've shot them before. I've gone to gun ranges. I've shot shotguns. I've shot rifles. I've shot handguns. It just doesn't make my pee-pee tingle the way it does for other guys, you know? And that makes me a bitch. Not even just for guys, but, like, for you know, women, too. Like, women who, like, are... I don't I don't know why it's, like, a super conservative thing, but, like, women who just, like, lean super right think that, like, I'm less of a man because I don't own or like guns. And it's just... It's, it's such a silly thing to... It is super
0: silly. It's an
1: opinion off of, like, something like a fucking gun. And... and Bitch, you don't own a gun either. So what, what, is, what are we talking about here? You don't like me because I don't like guns? Show me all your guns. You don't have any. What, is, what are we doing? But like, I, I, I've always felt like a lot of, a lot of the, the, the lack of manliness comes from actually caring about other people. Because that seems to be... I hate the word liberal. Because it has... It's, it's like, the word liberal has been, I don't know, victimized. But like, there's like a stigma behind the word liberal. The real word and i'm pretty sure it it used to be used a lot and i never hear it anymore it used to be used pro- liberally uh, it, it, now, is progressive right yes. i don't consider myself a liberal i consider myself a progressive which literally is an attempt to progress the country right i want to be moving forward not to be moving backwards i want to be creating rights for people i don't want to be scaling them back and it doesn't affect me at all mike I am a straight white guy from Queens. I'm Jewish, but you'd never know that because, just like I fly under the radar as an ally because I got you know tattoos and a beard and I'm a big guy, and I also don't quote look Jewish, which you know, that's fucking offensive. But you know that's what I've gotten my whole life. Like, well, you also have an Italian last name, right? So I'm like really incognito. Like I right. just like I'm I'm just stealth mode all the time. So like, no one would know I was Jewish unless I told them. So. I have no reason personally to be so emotionally invested in the rights of LGBTQ people and Black people and and, and illegal immigrants or immigrants that aren't illegal or anybody because these issues don't affect me at all, but I still care. And I don't understand how that isn't the case across the board. Like I have health insurance. I have good health insurance. And I get, and I, and I don't pay an arm and a leg for it, but I mean, it's not, it's not like cheap, but you know, if you were to tell me that for $50 more a month or $50 more a paycheck, we can guarantee healthcare to everybody. I would gladly sign up. Hell yes. Hell yes. I don't understand, like if you are so fucking broke that you can't afford an extra 50 dollars a paycheck so the entire country can have health care but you're also like, uh, uh, let me rephrase that it has nothing to do with how broke they are these are people that that just don't want to dig into their pockets for the benefit of people other than themselves it's 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 so it's just so incredibly selfish like it's not like it's not like universal health care is going to cost us five thousand dollars each a month to, to right rent. there's 330 million americans in this country if we have 300 million working americans you're telling me if each of them pays a hundred dollars a month we can't have health care for everyone in the country like take away my health care and give me the health care provided by the country if it means everyone else when gets it. yeah and a hundred dollars a month is like for so many people is
0: just like piss away money it's right.
1: Right. Go out on the weekend people, and, have, and That's why I wanted to scale back what what I was saying about about being broke because the people that don't want to shell out that extra money in taxes for universal health care are not broke. Right. That's the problem. Right. There are people who are broke that can't afford health care or that can't afford that extra tax, but the people that are very vocal about universal health care being socialism are also very well off. So like, I, I just. I, I don't get it. Like, being, I guess, I guess the, the, the bow on, on this episode of toxicity or detoxicity is being a piece of shit makes you a big, strong, masculine alpha male. That's really what it comes down to. That's what I've experienced most of my life. The most, the people, the people that I've experienced that have very specific definition of masculinity are usually the biggest pieces of shit I've ever met. I... Don't disagree with you, Devin.
0: Yeah. No, it does it, it, is, it is super silly. And the other thing is, even if you are not one of the people that is disenfranchised, you know somebody who is. Right. Most likely, I mean you live in New York, most likely you are friends with somebody like that, or there's somebody in your family like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look, everybody in this world has a woman in their family.
1: Right. I, I, that's why I don't understand how you could marry a woman, and have a mother, and have a grandmother, and have a sister. Have a sister, right? But also say, I think women should make less than men because you know they have babies and then they have to take off from you know from work to take care of the baby. We have paternity leave too. Are you telling me that I deserve if I if I opt into paternity leave that I should make less money than someone who doesn't take paternity? It, it, it's it, it's it's. I know.
0: Sometimes so you just want to look at these people and be like, who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the, where'd the problem it's, come it's from? It's so frustrating. It is ridiculously frustrating.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know, I saw, I, I don't know if this is relevant to the conversation, but it's something that I saw. I don't remember where I saw it. If you posted it, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder, but it was something along the lines of like, and it applies to me, you know? I think it might have actually been referring to white privilege, which is a totally different conversation, but whatever. Yes. If you Or just privilege in general. Okay, Just let's just keep it a privilege. If you've never had the Supreme Court rule on your rights, that's privilege, plain and simple, right? hundred years ago, women couldn't vote. Fifty years ago, Black people had to use a different water fountain than me. These are all things that the Supreme Court had to get together to decide on. I, I've never had no one, me or no one like me, has ever had to deal with something like that. So, I don't know why I said that. I just felt compelled to, to leave leave you with a little...
0: That is a good thing to leave on. And that, I think, that's a really good point. That wasn't definitely not me that posted that, because uh, okay. I would certainly take responsibility for that if I had <laughs> that idea, but it was definitely not me. Yeah, uh, but, but you're absolutely right.
1: <laughs> I think just to go back to the very beginning of the conversation, everyone just needs to shut up and listen. That's really all of this. Just amen to that. If someone is talking to you, just listen to what they have to say. Just clear your head, take it in. And if you have a problem with anything they're saying, tell them, have a conversation, communicate. Don't, you don't just deny it because that, that that's not listening. When someone tells you something is broken, something is wrong and you just deny it, where where is your proof of that? W- why are you just dismissing this? I'm telling you that this is something that's affecting me personally, not me. I'm you know, I'm telling you this is something that's affecting me personally and is affecting millions of other people, and you're just gonna dismiss it because you don't like that it makes you uncomfortable to to accept. Just shut up and listen to people. That's the most masculine thing you could do. Shut shut up, shut up and fuck up. fuck up. Put your fucking mask on and listen. That's it.
0: You know it's. An interesting thing to have people close to you who don't agree with your politics. I've sort of had that experience for a large chunk of my life, and I'm still not sure that I've uh, been able to figure it all out, even though I'm not as close to my family as uh, some of the guests on this show have been and are. uh, There's still weirdness when it comes to some of my more conservative relatives who I am myself around. And uh, it's very hard to balance the fact that they may believe or invest in something that that dehumanizes you. But this is still someone that you have some sort of love for or affection for as a family member or as a close friend or someone you grew up with. And how do you balance that? I don't know. Um, everybody's got different uh, uh You know, different strategies for dealing with that. You can't say which ones are right and which ones are wrong. I will say the one thing that is absolutely wrong is to not confront the situation. Um, You know, if you are being dehumanized or you stand for people who are being dehumanized and there are people close to you that actively attempt to dehumanize people based on things like the color of their skin or their financial status or their sexual orientation, they are wrong. And you have to point out. Despite the fact and maybe even especially because of the fact that you love them so much that they are wrong. But Devin brings up some interesting points and uh, I appreciate him for bringing his self, his whole self to uh, this podcast and uh, bringing up some things that have been rattling around my mind for a really, really long time. You can find Devin. Devin's on Instagram. His Instagram is whatupdevy, that is W-A-D-D-U-P-D-E-V-Y. And as a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at tismikejoseph, T-I-S, Mike Joseph, and on Instagram at itsmikejoseph, I-T-S, Mike Joseph. Sign up for the Detox Pod newsletter at tinyurl.com detoxpod, and if you would like to leave feedback on the show or suggest a guest, you can email me at detoxpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen, and leave a rating and or comment too. As I release this episode, I want to remind my American listeners to go out and vote on November 3rd. I am pretty vocal about my politics as a general rule and specifically on this show as it is a no-hate zone. So make sure you're filling in that box for progress and change, which in this case means voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. In closing, I want to thank this episode's guest and all of my guests for appearing on their show, appearing on this show, by the way, and giving their time, their trust, and honesty to me. The Detoxicity Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Mike Joseph. I give special thanks to Calvin Williams for composing the intro and outro music, to Jacob Block for designing the show's logo, and to Jeff Giles, Andrew Grossman, and Jason Hare for the inspiration. I wish all of you listening ongoing health and safety. Once again, I'm Mike Joseph. Catch y'all next week. Peace.